Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Welcome to River Valley. You can go ahead and be turning your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2 today. Uh, one of the passages, when I began to uh, read and study 2 Peter for myself, I was like, oh, this is such a helpful, pertinent word uh, for us as in the church. And so this is a really good, this is something that we need, something that we need to hear. But I got to start out with a little bit of a warning so you understand how it's going to work. Now, this is going to be hard for you to believe, but from time to time, some people don't like my sermons. So I know, it's shocking, right? And, and uh, I know that because from time to time, I will be preaching and I will say something and I will watch someone get up and leave. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and so uh, sometimes they're just going to the restroom. Sometimes they're just mad. And so, and this is what it is. And so this is actually fairly regular. This is what it is. Um, you might be hearing you're exploring Christianity, you're new to Christianity, you're trying to check out what kind of church we are. And basically what it is, is you come in with an ideal of like, hey, I want to learn about this, but he better not talk about this. Because my mind is made up, I have decided this is the way it is, I will not change, I will not move, period. If that is you today, then you don't need Christianity. You don't need Christianity when you say, even in one single area of your life, I got it figured out. I got it mastered. Don't mess with me in this area. I'm good. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners from their sins. And the moment that we present ourselves like Jesus, well, I need help in this, and I want to learn about this, and go ahead and talk about this, but not this thing, what we're saying is that's off limits because that's already good. I've already mastered that. I am good. And so I see that from time to time for people who come in with a a different idea than the Bible is, a different idea of, you know, educated by the world versus Christianity. I say that to you on the front end because I want you to know where we're going, and I want you, when we, when we hear this uh, phrase and terminology, not to turn off and not to immediately react to that. So I'm going to tell you where we're going before we get there. Today we're going to talk some in the sermon about homosexuality. Now, some of you have very strong uh, opinions about that, and I hope they are educated by the Bible, but even if they're not Listen, I'm telling you it's coming so that when it comes, you don't immediately throw up that and just say, I'm out because I'm good in that area. Now, listen, listen, think through, let God work and move in your life. That's what I'm asking you. That's all I'm asking you to do today. Because if you don't, then, then you basically said, hey, this is an area, even if you're not practicing in that, this is an area that, that, that is off limits uh, to me. And so I want, I want you to understand uh, that. Now, if you have children in this sermon, uh, that's okay. I'm not going to uh, be explicit. And it's even if, you know, one of your kids, uh, you know, is like, hey, what is that? Listen, do what we did. Um, we, we had to confront this in our marriage early on. And, and, and our, our decision was as, as, a, as a couple, Mel and I, when our kids were really little, like, we're not going to start out with sin. We're going to start out with what God has for them. We're going to start out with the truth of God's word. And then we will, 
you know, uh, get into that. So, so we started out with, if, if your children and they're little, they're like, hey, what is that or what's going on? You, you can just start out with a simple, hey, you know what? That's not what God has for you. Let me show you what he has for you. Let me show you some texts about marriage. Let me show you some texts about relationships and the way that God has truth for you in those areas. And then as they get older and it's more appropriate, life happens, you know, you might uh, want to unveil those things. So I don't want you to be worried if you have kids in here. That's, that's gonna, it's going to be uh, fine in that way. So 2 Peter chapter 2, I've titled this message, Lies and the Lies, Lying Liars Who Tell Them. Uh, I want to be really uh, honest on the front end, and that it is this. It's not, the, the huge majority of this text is not for those who have believed a lie. It's not, you know, even if you're like, you know what, I support these things, I'm good with these things, then, then this text will help you understand. What this text is mainly dealing with is those who perpetuate those lies and the destruction that they're bringing them on their lives. And when we believe them, when we reject truth, the way that it uh, hurts our own life. And so if you are here today and you even you believe some of those things, that's okay. Let God's word speak into you. But it's a very strong warning for those who become basically evangelists for uh, lies. And it is a very strong word for those who are telling them as if they are truth. And it helps us unpack those things. So we're going to do quite a bit of text, not near uh, as much like illustrations and those type of things today, because there's so much in this text and it's best taken as a whole unit. So 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1, keep your Bibles open, we're actually going to do the entire chapter. Verse 1, there were indeed false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. And will bring swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved ways. And the way of truth will be maligned because of them. They will exploit you in their greed with made up stories. Their condemnation pronounced long ago is not idle. And their destruction does not sleep. So I want us to look first of all at the influence that lies and the people who tell them have over us. You and I are influenced by the world. I think most of us don't want to believe that, but there's a reason that there are billboards all over the highway. There's a reason that there are, I used to say commercials on TV, but that's like, who has TV? That's ridiculous. All right. You know, you're like, but I mean, I, I love YouTube. I love YouTube, but I'm so, I remember YouTube just like two years ago. You could actually watch videos on YouTube. Now you've got to learn about Liberty car insurance in the beginning, middle, and end of every YouTube video every single time. And so, so we're, we're, and there's a reason for that is because we are influenced by these things. So let's look at first at the lies. The lies say, okay, here's very specific. It says they are destructive. Verse 1, they are destructive heresies. Heresy is contrary to truth. But the word I want to concentrate on here is destructive. This is not, oh, it's no big deal. This is something that literally destroys your current life. We'll talk in a moment about eternity. This is your life right now. These are the things that you want and you hold dear. These are the, the areas of your life. That I can't mess this one up. It's too important. The, the lies that we are told are destructive and hurt us in these areas. And the Bible says they bring swift destruction on themselves, but they are destroying to us. The Bible also says about the lies that they deny the master. Even we are, we are uh, being taught slowly 
uh, actually it's kind of come on rapidly, um, we're being taught that, you know, you can, be, you can be a Christian and yet kind of uh, renounce this part of what the Bible says about this thing or that thing. You can pick and choose. And so I hear phrases like, you know, you do you. I hear people say, you know, what's your truth? You know, and, and it's this idea like I can, I can pick and choose like Christianity is a buffet. I can have a little bit more of this and a little bit less of this and as opposed to the, the, the totality of who God is and what he wants for us. You may have God or you may reject God, but you can't choose him to be something that he's not. So we're told these things and we are sold these things. And the Bible says very specifically, many will follow them. Now let's look at the, the, the people who tell these things. The Bible says specifically, they make up stories. They make up stories. These are made up stories about life and the way it operates in verse 3. I love the way the Bible, uh, the Bible's masterfully written. Uh, it, it's just, it's so amazing to, to look at. In chapter 1, verse 16 says about the truth of God, we did not follow cleverly contrived myths which were made known to you because we were eyewitnesses. So the Bible says, look, this is truth. We saw it unfold. We're telling you what we saw. But then it is helping us understand that the lies and the people who are telling them uh, are, are making up stories. It's not true. It is made up and false in its nature. And it is exploitive and it maligns the way of truth. It is, try, is someone trying to exploit you, to take advantage of you for their own benefit. And it maligns the way of truth. Think about this. Um, the easiest one to see today is Instagram. Uh, Instagram is, is in social media is always pictures, and and I really thought about how because there's so, it's really interesting to do. I thought about having uh, Instagram uh, where people lied on it. You can look it up. It's really pervasive. It's it's people that have uh, maybe they've had uh, uh, cosmetic surgery. Maybe they've had. Photoshop, and you're like, that guy actually weighs 150 more pounds than he looks like. Maybe it's uh, camera angles. It's really interesting to see, but it's this idea of this curated image that I'm going to show to you so that you follow this well-crafted story that I want to present to you, and we are influenced by that. Whether they are uh, rich and famous, so they're very beautiful, or they're very talented, or they're very wealthy, or they're CEOs of company, and they're, they're good leaders, or the, whatever area it is. Guys, we've got to be careful, and we've got to be careful and not be like, well, that doesn't influence me. Yes, it does, and it influences me as well. So, I have a great verse for you to help you within this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. <laughs> so let's put pressure on Cody. That's what this verse is saying. So remember your leaders. So it's talking about the people who actually preached to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. So you can learn from people in their life, but they need to be people and people that you imitate that you can look at their life and imitate them. Because we might imitate in one area. Well, this guy's a good leader. This guy's very, or this person's very beautiful. This person's very rich. This person is very talented. And that's, that's what they're, 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 you know, they're influencers in those areas. But the problem is, is that so many times when we look at the actual outcome of your life, you'd be like, man, that person is incredibly wealthy, but I wouldn't trade positions with them for anything. 
Because I actually, when you actually see the outcome of their life, they've got some very important areas that you wouldn't want for your life. So what do you do? You look at the leaders and you look at the outcome of their life. So for me, for instance, you don't just listen to what I say. You don't just listen to the gift set of a certain person and be like, well, he's, you know, he gives us interesting uh, illustrations and, and uh, you know, whatever it is. I don't want to know, by the way, uh, what you say about my sermons, all right? So, but but that, that's not what you're supposed to look at. Look at the outcome of my life. That's why the Bible says that the elders of the church should have discernible life that you can evaluate. Look at, is he addicted to wine? Look at, is he greedy? Look at how does he treat and lead his household. If he, can't, if he can't manage his own children, what business does he have managing the church? Look at, he's the husband of one wife. Is, is his uh, marriage uh, fruitful? Is it something that you're like, I would love to have that. Look at the outcome of those who you let influence. Look at their life and imitate their faith. Not just look at one area of a person's life that's shown to you sometimes to be curated so that they can sell you something or they can influence your life. This is incredibly important. It means for the majority of it that we need to find people that we can actually look at and know the outcome of their life. It means that we need to let people influence us that we've seen their life unfold enough that we can see, okay, they're, they're doing pretty well. They're doing pretty good. I want to I follow them in my life. Not someone from afar who we begin to imitate, who you say, you know what? That guy's ultra wealthy, or that guy's great at sales, or that guy leads a fantastic business, but his marriage is a shamble. His kids are in ruin. I don't want that for my life. Instead, look at other people that you can imitate in several ways. You look at not just a snapshot of their life or one area, but the whole and the outcome. And also, I would say specifically, relationships. Relationships. Men, we tend to undervalue relationships. We tend to really value what people do. So men, we're like, well, is he a good preacher? Is he a good leader you know, within the church? And you should follow that. But look at their relationships. Uh, there's a new book out right now of a study that started in 1938, and it's about uh, living the good life. And every single chapter is about the relationships that people have in their lives. Look at their relationships. Work is going to come and go. The church, River Valley, will go on without me, but the relationships are really and truly a great telltale sign of someone that you should follow. Don't follow lies. Don't be influenced by lies. Number two, I want to talk about the judgment of those who tell these lies. Verse four, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but, but cast them into hell and delivered them in chains of utter darkness to be kept for judgment, and if he didn't spare the ancient world, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, when he brought the flood on the world of the ungodly, and if he reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes and condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is coming to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, distressed by the depraved behavior of the immoral, for as that righteous man lived among them day by day, his righteous soul was tormented by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and how to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. So let's look at their judgment for a moment. 
God gives three examples in this text of people who have been through judgment. Demons, Noah, and, and the people of the world, and then Sodom and Gomorrah. I wrote these texts up here for you because I'm going to tell you about them briefly, but I want you to go and look at them for yourself. He's giving an example, but you might not know these stories, but, so you need to follow them. And uh, Sodom and Gomorrah is the one that we can most easily follow because demons rejected uh, God. There's a third of the angels who were thrown out of heaven. They rejected God. But it's very hard for us to understand that uh, in, in the sense of we don't, we don't uh, know what that's like uh, to have. Uh, we will one day, but we don't yet. In the same way in Noah, the Bible says that men of the world were filled with lawlessness. But it doesn't tell us specifically what they were doing. In other words, they were doing all kinds of bad things. It wasn't like uh, the next example where they were doing one thing. They were doing all kinds of things, and they were uh, condemned. They were judged for that. But Sodom and Gomorrah is a very specific example, and that the men of these twin towns uh, close to each other, the men of Sodom and Gomorrah were, were practicing homosexuals. They had completely rejected uh, biblical marriage, and they were practicing homosexuals. And so the, the Bible says that Lot was a righteous man in this community, and he and his family were the only ones who hadn't accepted uh, homosexuality, and who weren't, not only weren't practicing it, but we read in the text, they were tormented by it, and, and that it was going on around them. They hated this for their neighbors. They hated this uh, for their friends. And so because of that, God sent uh, literally hellfire uh, and brimstone onto the town, and it was destroyed. It was completely destroyed because of uh, the embrace of homosexuality within that community. Now, I get this question, I hear this comment actually a lot, and I think it's a really good, thoughtful one, but we need to understand why it is. I hear this, well, if God punished those people, why isn't God punishing America right now? Because we are embracing these things in an increasingly higher volume. Here's the answer. You know why God doesn't send judgment on America right now? Because of you. Because of you. Because of those who accept righteousness hold back the punishment of God. We are still many in Christianity in America. We still have influence. We still speak the truth in love. We still sway our neighbors to, to not uh, participate in, in lifestyles that would be hurtful to them. We have influence in America. These places were judged specifically because there were so few left. They had no influence. It was almost completely and totally pervasive within their culture that everyone was participating in these things. And so you and I, when we stand for truth and we speak into the world and we influence uh, every, everything about what we do, where we're at, and who we vote for, and, on, and how we do school, and all of those type of things, then we, we hold back the judgment of God, because in these particular cases, the judgment of God came not because the presence of, not only because the presence of sin, it came because the absence of righteousness, that there were so few people, the whole world is sinning, and seven people are saved in the ark. The whole towns of Sodom and Gomorrah are sinning, and one family is living for, the, for Jesus. The, it's, 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 the tipping point has happened that the entire community or the entire country 
And as long as we as believers in Jesus Christ will continue to evangelize, will continue to teach our children the next generation, will continue to influence our friends, family, co-workers, and neighbors, those around us, then we will hold back and we see the blessing of God on a place like America, even on the people who aren't participating in that way because we are living for righteousness. So well done. But the moment we start saying, well, we're believers, but you do you. You choose your own truth. It's okay for you to be a homosexual in this case. Or it's okay for you to do these things. Then we begin to see our influence erode. We begin to participate within the uh, propelling of a lie that is pervasive within our culture. And the Bible says very clearly that those who teach these things, those who are, are practicing and teaching these things, in verse 4 it says they are cast into hell. I'm going to talk about hell next week, but for this week, um, here's where I think, here's where I think we're, we're missing the mark, even in our own church. So, we, we don't like to have these kind of uncomfortable conversations. In fact, some of you right now, you're like, hey, we're halfway through the sermon, and he's not said anything funny, and there's no historical illustrations. What's up, dude? All right? I mean, yeah, let's break the tension a little bit, right? And... And because we think, you know what, it's, it's, it's mean to tell people they're wrong. It's mean to say they're sinful. It's mean and judgmental to say they're going to hell. And that is the culture in which we live. And I would very much like to stand against that and say, no, it is mean and unloving to look at someone and not tell them. It is unloving to look at someone who is willfully skipping and hopping and smiling all the way to hell and just going, you do you. That's fine. That's not love. That's not any type of Christianity that we want to perpetuate where we say, I'm saved, whatever with you. We are here to influence our friends, family, coworkers, and neighbors and to, with winsomeness and love, don't be one of those uh, that immediately turns off everyone because of your, uh, your, your mean and mad about it. But at the same time, to never look at someone and go, I disagree. I truly disagree. I think that you are, you are heading for a life of destruction. I think that the end of which is horrible. And I would be the one to stand in the gap and say, please, please don't follow this path. Also, within judgment, the, verse, the Bible says in verse 9 that God differentiates in judgment and saves the righteous. I hear too many times, especially too many type of uh, uh, preach, uh, TV preachers who, uh, especially like I heard it a lot, an easy example was uh, in Katrina. Uh, in New Orleans. Have you ever been to New Orleans? Have you ever been to Bourbon Street? It is dirty. It is sinful. It is like, I don't like it. Uh, and so, and there's definitely that. But, but, and so when, when, when the, the, the floods came uh, and the, the storms came, I heard, I heard several preachers say, well, that's God's uh, judgment on the sin of the town. And that is, that is horribly unbiblical according to this text and according to even experience that people like I had where we knew someone who was greatly affected uh, by the floods and yet was a righteous, godly, wonderful man. Wonderful, wonderful Christian man. It's, God differentiates. Does God send judgment even through floods sometimes? Absolutely. But what does he give the righteous? A boat. He gave Noah a boat. 
What did he give Lot? He gave him an escape route. Get out of town now. Judgment is coming. God does not send righteousness. So if a tornado comes through and destroys, uh, you know, lots of people, it's not that they were all uh, unrighteous in God's sight. That's the way the world works. That's the way sin, that's the, the consequence of sin. But God provides a way for the righteous out of sin. This is important because one of these days, it's coming on strong. It is coming on strong. They will not be popular, and we will not probably be able to meet in large groups like this as believers in Jesus Christ. But we don't have to uh, worry about that. We don't have to stock up guns and beans and rice in order to protect ourselves because God will provide a way for the righteous. God will provide a way for the righteous even as he's punishing the unrighteous. So there's a judgment coming. Third, let's look at the character a little bit more of these people who say these sins. And beginning in the second part of verse 10, they are bold, arrogant people. They are not afraid to slander the glorious ones. Who, however, uh, angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a slanderous charge against them before the Lord. But these people, like irrational animals, Creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, slander what they do not understand. And in their destruction, they too will be destroyed. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. They consider it a pleasure to carouse in broad daylight. They are spots and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery that never stop looking for sin. They seduce unstable people and have hearts trained in greed. Children under a curse. They have gone astray by abandoning the straight path and have followed the path of Balaam, the son of Asor, who loved the wages of wickedness, but received a rebuke for his lawlessness. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. So let's talk about their character for a second. One of the things that I, that I hear uh, recently, that I see recently, is this, is this rewriting of, of history uh, in the sense that we hear people say, well, this has always been in America, or this has always even been in the world throughout ancient times. And so uh, if we use homosexuality, for example, they, th this has always been there, and that is true. There have, there have in, in probably every single culture, every single place, uh, been homo, practicing homosexuals in the world. The difference is, is this tipping point that we've actually seen in America. This is a text that is written 2,000 years ago that is very pertinent to America today. Not that the sense that we didn't see this in the, or, or excuse me, not in the sense that they didn't have this in the 1950s, but a preacher who preached out of this text would have just been warning people that it might be coming. Well, I'm here today to say it is coming. Here's what's happening. It's not that it's here. It's that it's, pra in, the, in the verse it says it's practiced in broad daylight. They delight and they feast in these sins. In other words, it was in the past, but it was in, it, it was in the shadows. Now we have people very prominently uh, displaying, uh, again, for our example, homosexuality and carousing in daylight, doing it in the open. It's not wrong. It's not a sin. It's not to be, uh, a sh you know, we shouldn't shame people that do it. It's, it's this wonderful thing, and it's, it's out in public. And what that has done within our culture has meant that in the 1950s, you might not have even heard of it. 
You might not have even known about the possibility of that sin. Now it is thrust upon you in such a way that it's presented like, well, maybe this is an option. And it's one more way that you can get involved in sin. One more thing that you can do that can tear you apart from the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so that's the problem of this, of the character of the people who do this. They carouse in it. They, oh, it's open daylight. They consider it a pleasure. They delight. They feast over these things. They have abandoned uh, not Christianity, but biblical ethics. They have abandoned right and wrong. They have abandoned a set of morals that is outside of what you and I think or want. And they have embraced instead a, I'll decide. I'll choose. I will be my own God, and here's the way I live my life. And so anyone who doesn't do that is, is um, man, castigated horribly in our society. It also says about their character that they are greedy. They use seduction, we'll talk about it in just a moment. They use seduction to bring people in, sometimes for monetary gain, which is, you know, the ultimate word of greedy, but the idea of, of when we sin, we want to be enveloped by people who are sinning like us. We don't like outliers out there on the periphery who are saying this is wrong or saying this is bad because that, that causes me to really question, well, maybe it is. So they're greedy in that way. Now, I think the most helpful part of this text um, is, is the remaining verses. Verse 17, we're going to look at the tactics that people tell us these lies. This is how you're able to spot them. These people are springs without water, mist driven by a storm. The gloom of darkness has been reserved for them. For by uttering boastful, empty words, they seduce with fleshly desires and debauchery. People who have barely escaped from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption since people are enslaved by whatever defeats them. So their tactics are, first of all, seduction. Seduction. We think of, of seduction in sexual terms, and certainly it can be that way, uh, but it's broader within the idea of any sort of sin. It is broader with this idea of, of I want to be a part of that. There is, Hebrews chapter 11, a season of fun in sin. There is a season of enjoyment in sin. If the devil showed us how he looked and how sin really was and what hell was like, then no one would participate in it. So instead, he shows us the front end, the season of fun in sin. And it is always portrayed this way. But it is never fully shown because the Bible says, goes on from that verse and says, but the end thereof is death. The end thereof is destruction. So it highlights this very short-lived front season of how fun it is to do whatever sin it is. I mean, easy example. Think of beer commercials. Man, who does not want to live in the world of beer commercials? I can drink beer and play volleyball and have a six-pack with all my friends. There's no one on a beer commercial with a beer gut. It's not true. It doesn't happen that way. There's no one. They, don't, they show the front end of that. What they don't show is what happened in our county, I'm quite sure, last night which is someone getting pulled over and getting a DUI and getting thrown in jail. What they don't show is a child last night who cowered in fear 
because mom and dad started drinking and they knew that it was about two hours till a huge fight and they heard it and it scared them to death. What they don't show is, I promise you, last night in our county, there was a child who watched their dad begin to drink and they knew there was a countdown till that dad began to verbally, emotionally, and physically abuse them. They don't show that. We have to be careful in the tactics when they are portrayed in a way that is untrue, that is hurtful, that is a lie. Now, biblically, God gives us many things for our enjoyment. Jesus, because people, Jesus made wine. Absolutely. Jesus created sex. He talks about in Genesis. Absolutely. And when the things of God are kept inside of, a, of, a, of the parameters which, which he has said they are gifts of God, when they are outside of that, they are destructive. And we believe a lie when we believe that they, the Bible says, they perpetuate freedom. They give freedom. They promise them freedom. But what's the problem? They're slaves to corruption. They promise you something they are not enjoying themselves freedom. They are speaking to you from jail cells. More and more and more as the church becomes more and more silent on things like homosexuality and transgenderism, it feels to me because we are, we are put out in the world like, well, we're ignorant, we're stupid, we don't know any better. It feels to me like walking in to visit a prisoner and having all of the prisoners make fun of you because you're not in there with them. Boy, everyone I know is a prisoner. Man, everyone, this, ha ha, look at you, you're on the outside. That's what it is. They promise, boy, if you just come in here, there is freedom. And you don't understand, you are living in a prison. I am going to visit someone, and I'm leaving to do whatever I want. Because Jesus has given me freedom in Christ. So be careful, be careful of their tactics. Do not believe their lie of freedom or ease. Last thing, verse 20, is a warning. For if having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated. The last state is worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a washed sow returns to wallowing in the mud. So this last part is a word for us. The majority of the text is a warning for us about people who would tell us lies and the lies we may believe. But this part's for us. I would encourage you to listen. It is a strong warning, and it is love that God gives it. The Bible says, if you come out of the world and then you hear the truth which you have, in the last 30 minutes, and you choose to reject it, you choose to say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He is ignorant. He is bound by a religion that is thousands of years old. That's not the way it works anymore. Or I don't like it because I've got somebody in my family that affects and it makes me uncomfortable. Or whatever else that you would reject it. Then the Bible says, and you reject 
that truth, then the, wor- the end of you is worse than had you never heard at all, but you just heard. The Bible compares it to a dog who returns and eats its own vomit. The Bible compares it to a pig who is cleaned and immediately goes and lays in the mud some more. It is a, it is a strong, ugly warning. Don't be that way. Truth is always, truth is always discovered. Truth is never invented. You don't get to decide on truth. You do not get to decide on, I like this, but I don't want this. I want a little bit more of blessing, a little bit uh, less of uh, sexual ethics that teach that sex is inside of marriage only. And you walk away from that, and the Bible gives this strong warning to you that it is as if, uh, it is worse than as if you had never heard. Because at least at the front, you'd be like, I didn't know, but now you know. John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, if, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples. Jesus loves you. He is telling you this today. The reason that we preach through text is this reason exactly. We need to hear this because we are told, we are being told more and more. I'm not talking about America. I'm not talking about the South. I'm not talking about Texas. I'm talking about River Valley. We are being told more and more that acceptance of lifestyles, acceptance of sin outside of biblical ethics of right and wrong is what the world needs, is the way we need to operate. And this verse is warning us, no, we stand in truth. We stand in truth. Truth is love, absolutely. But truth does not shy away from speaking truth, from saying hard things. Because God is gracious. He has something better for us. Please, it's all I know how to say, don't walk away from it. Don't get miffed because it's not the way that you were raised. It's not the way that you believe. It's not the way that the world is. It's not the way that anything else is. Stand on truth and let the truth set you free. I invite you to bow your heads for just a moment. Truth is discovered. It is never invented. Truth is discovered. It is never invented. Today, the revelation of truth is that Jesus came into the world, that he died for our sins. He died for the sins of the world. He died for his rejection. He died for lawlessness. He died for drunkenness. He died for homosexuality. He died for the sin of the world so that we could be free. Don't listen to the world telling you and making fun of you as they sit in prison going, ha ha, we're all in here. Live in freedom. They don't understand that and that's okay. They're in prison. But we do in this room. We do in this church. Do not walk away from truth, please. It's a strong warning. You are a dog returning to vomit. It would have been better if you hadn't been born at all. It would have been better if you hadn't heard at all. 
But how much better it is to hear truth and to believe truth and stand on truth. Jesus, we love you. We praise you that you are truth. God, the Bible says that sanctify them by the truth. God, help us to grow. If we've been challenged today in our thinking and our beliefs, God, help us to hear from you, God, to stand on truth. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you for truth. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.